Stonehenge. Stonehenge. Can't imagine a place where the moon looks bright and the dragon's face. Stonehenge. Yeah, I was probably the only one in my family who wasn't sick and tired of hearing me belt out the chorus to that classic Spinal Tap song, Stonehenge. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Well, hello there, my friend. It is Aaron Schlein here, and welcome to day number two of my recap of my family's recent trip to London and the UK. Strap in today, my friends. We are talking about, yes, you've probably already guessed it. We are talking about Stonehenge. We dedicated an entire day of our vacation to traveling to Stonehenge, visiting the site, and today I'm going to share everything we learned, everything we did, but we had a great time, kids had a blast, and we're going to talk about everything Stonehenge right here today on Family Travel Radio, Stonehenge Edition. On the fourth day of our UK vacation, we moved from London down to the town of Hove, which is on the southern coast of England. Uh, We rented a car, and one of the things we wanted to do while we had a car was to visit Stonehenge. Initially, we were on the fence about whether to visit Stonehenge at all, uh, but my wife had never been, and I had been one time when I was 12 years old. But at the time when I went to visit when I was 12, it was dark and we were in a rush. And because of that, I never really felt as though I could really cross Stonehenge off my bucket list. So we decided to go for it. We were down in Hove. We had the car. And there are plenty of bus tours you can take from Hove or from London and I'm sure from various other points around the UK. But rather than hop on the bus and spend a day on the bus with the kids, we decided to drive. Uh, it was, it's about a, it's about a two hour drive to Stonehenge from Hove. And it's a similar, similar time, uh, from London, about two hours, give or take. And we'd been running and gunning at this point in London for four days, so a couple of hours in the car seemed like a nice change of pace. And as it turns out, it was a fantastic change of pace. Of course, driving in Britain can be an adventure in and of itself, especially if you've never driven on the left side of the road before. I'm actually going to do a whole episode about driving in the UK, so we'll talk more about that then. But today, we're going to talk about uh, my takeaways from our day trip, road trip to Stonehenge. This is what worked for us, and I hope you get the opportunity to enjoy Stonehenge with your family someday, and I hope you can learn at least a little tidbit or two from my experience. In regards to the trip in the car, there is going to be, at least from Hove and also from London, uh, on the, the route into Stonehenge, there's going to be a lot to see along the way, and it's it's tempting 
uh, to want to stop at every beautiful spot in the countryside. But for us, uh, and this goes at home as well, but for us, it works best if we just resist the temptation to stop along the way and to just get there on the way out. Uh, my advice is to save any of the roadside stops and photo opportunities. Save those for the drive home. Uh, just get there, get there quick, and uh, just get there fresh. That's what works for us. Stonehenge is an English heritage site, and in my opinion, it's very well organized. Some of the charm may be gone these days when you compare it back to the time when you could just drive right up to the stones and touch them and climb on them. But from what I understand, the, all that contact, that physical contact with the stones was actually uh, causing them harm. And they've actually had to reinforce some of the stones over the years. Some of them are set in concrete. You really can't tell by looking at them, but uh, they've done quite a bit of work over the years to to maintain the stones and ensure that they're going to be there for many generations to come. These days, visitors are kept at a reasonable distance, but in reality, you still can get quite close to the stones. I would say 25, 30 feet, maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit more, but it's, I mean, they're right there. You're, you get, you do in fact get quite close to the stones and they are are quite impressive. When you arrive in the car at the site, you actually park in the visitor center, which is about a mile or so from the stones. Uh, You can buy tickets at the visitor center when you arrive, but I recommend buying them online in advance, which is going to guarantee your entry time. They have entry times that start uh, every 30 minutes on the, at the top of the hour and then at the bottom of the hour every 30 minutes. We booked an entry time of 1 o'clock p.m., which turned out to be ideal because we didn't have to get a crazy early start. We got in the car and left Hove around 9.30 in the morning and got to the visitor center around noon. We had a leisurely lunch. The the cafeteria, they do have a cafeteria there where you could buy food. We brought our own lunch. It was pretty crowded, so we all kind of crammed into the corner of a table. But we had our lunch, and we headed out to the Stones about 1 o'clock for our, uh, our scheduled time. Like I said, from the visitor center, it's, it's give or take. It's about a mile out to the stones and you can walk. They have a nicely uh, cleared and well-marked path, although you don't really need it to be very well-marked because all roads lead to, to Stonehenge. You can walk if you like. Uh, there's also a shuttle bus and that's what we chose to do. We took the shuttle bus, which leaves from the visitor center every few minutes and drives you directly out to the stones. And there's a little mini audio tour along the way, just giving you some background information on what you're about to see. And then there's also an audio tour that talks to you on the way back from the stones. But honestly, I can't remember what it, what it says because you've already, you've already seen the big highlights. So I wasn't really paying a ton of attention to the audio tour on the way back. Uh, But the bus tour is going to drop you off about a hundred yards or so from the stones. So you're pretty well right there. And then you walk uh, a path that's going to spiral you around the stones and you get progressively and progressively closer and closer and closer. And it's a pretty wide, wide open area. The stones are just right there in kind of really right in the middle of just a very wide open grassy country area just off the highway. And the wide open area was great for the kids. They loved it because they they enjoyed seeing the stones. They enjoyed being there, but they also had a blast just kind of running wild out there in the field, especially after being in the car all morning. They had all that pent up energy they had to to burn off. And we've learned that. That's a a lesson we've learned on any road trip over the years is that when you're going to have the kids in the car for any extended period of time, where they're just sitting, not burning any energy. It really does pay to to make 
stops where they get to run around and get that energy out, whether it's at a park or a beach, or in this case, Stonehenge. I'm probably going to do that at least a couple more times before this episode is over. I just, I uh, still got it in my veins. I can't quite resist Stonehenge. If you haven't seen This Is Spinal Tap, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Hit pause right now. Go watch the film from the early 80s, This Is Spinal Tap. Get a laugh, then come on back, and we'll talk about Stonehenge. All right. But when we were... When we were out at the stone formations, both of my kids, and my son especially, both my kids were surprisingly interested in the formations and asking cool questions, and I always love it. I really, really get excited. It makes me feel good as a parent when my kids ask thoughtful and engaging questions about something that they see or something that they experience, and Stonehenge definitely brought that out in both of my kids. So that was a whole, that was a huge highlight for me just seeing their reaction to to being at this cool, ancient place. We spent about 45 minutes or so out at the Stones, uh, and we had a great time, like I said. Uh, When we were done, after we'd sort of seen it all, taken all the pictures, and the kids got all their wiggles out, running around, we got on the bus, we went back to the visitor center, where my kids got to freeload on a school field trip that was taking place. They saw a demonstration of how bronze was made back back in the day, thousands of years ago. It was super cool. And I love, I always love when the kids get the opportunity to engage with other kids, local kids. And in this case, it was school kids who happened to be on a field trip. My kids kind of cozied up right there with them and had a little moment. It was super fun and learned a little bit about how to make bronze. And then also back near the visitor center, they have several replicas of ancient dwellings that my kids really got a kick out of. And my daughter's imagination runs wild anyway. Uh, she's always at 11 when it comes to imagination. And she, had, she just had a blast running around the, these little huts, playing house and imagining that she lived there. Uh, it was super fun to watch. So after we took a potty stop and the obligatory visit to the gift shop where we bought a Christmas ornament, yes, indeed, uh, we got back in the car and we took our time getting home. So like I said, we got out there quick, didn't really dilly-dally on the way to Stonehenge, but then we took our time getting home. Uh, my wife found a great place on Pinterest, and it was a little bit out of the way, but it seemed like it would be worth it, and it totally was. It was uh, this roadside stop in a town called Hallnaker, or Hallnaker. it's uh, spelled H-A-L-N-A-K-E-R, and there's a public path that leads through, it's this cool tunnel of trees. It's a really cool visual, this tunnel tunnel of trees, and it makes for some really, really super cool photographs. So if you Google Hallnaker, H-A-L-N-A-K-E-R, tunnel of trees or something to that effect, this will certainly come up. So that's how we found it. My wife just found it in Pinterest, just looking for interesting things to do in the English countryside. Uh, and then when you walk through this tunnel of trees, then you continue on up a hill uh, through the through the countryside. And when you get to the top, there's a windmill where you can look out on one side and it's just this valley of English countryside. And then you turn around and on the other side is a view of the sea. It's 
absolutely gorgeous. My description here doesn't do it any kind of justice. I, I certainly recommend you uh, checking out this Hallknocker windmill. And if you ever get to this part of the, the world, definitely take the time to check it out. It's gorgeous. Uh, the kids loved it. And again, it was a great way for them to, to get their energy out on a day where they really spent most of the time sitting on their behinds in the, in the back of the car. Uh, the walk from the car through the tunnel of trees to the windmill takes about 15, 20 minutes, but I definitely recommend you take your time. The scenery is is gorgeous and it gives everyone in the family a great opportunity to just just to be present and enjoy some low stress time together. This is a, a totally free experience. You just park on the side of the road and start walking. Uh, the path it, it's well kept. There is some uphill, so be aware of that. It's not great for for strollers or wheelchairs, uh, unfortunately. Although strollers, if you had two adults and both were strong enough to to lift the stroller, you could probably get away with the stroller. There are a couple of spots where you'll have to actually lift it up over a wooden fence. But uh, if you're okay with doing that, then by all means, take the stroller. If you got really little ones who just aren't aren't up for walking up a up the hill. So on to the rest of the day after we did the windmill, we're back in the car, headed back to Hove. And for us, the last thing that we want to do uh, after a long day on the road is to have a long drawn out dinner. We just want something quick. Uh, so I recommend finishing up your day with something quick, something easy. Uh, when we got back to Hove, I dropped my wife and both the kids off at our Airbnb. And I went out and grabbed some takeout, some Thai takeout food, which was delicious by the way. Uh, and I brought it back to the place and we all ate together and had a pretty mellow end to the day. When it was all said and done, it was well worth the effort to take the kids to Stonehenge. We were on the fence about it. We weren't quite sure if it was going to be worth the effort. It turns out it was just a phenomenal day. Highly recommend it, but do be aware that unless you're staying uh, somewhere nearby somewhere close to Stonehenge, unless you're right there, uh, it's going to be a full day. You're going to have to drive in, take a bus in. There's a variety of ways to get there, but just just budget a, a full day for visiting Stonehenge. So there you go, my friend. That's going to do it for the Stonehenge wrap-up. Uh, links to the info here and links to the info in every episode of Family Travel Radio is available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, we will talk again shortly. How shortly? Tomorrow. We're going to be right back here tomorrow. And tomorrow morning, we are going to be chatting about driving, driving in Great Britain. And until then, my friend, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. Stonehenge!